Welcome to the River Bluff Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon from Associate Pastor Terry File. And for more information about us, please visit riverbluff.org. If you want to go ahead and if you've got one on the way in, go ahead and pull out an outline this morning. And I'm excited that we are starting a brand new teaching series called Personal God. And last week we celebrated the Lord's resurrection in a huge way. Amen. It's a great day of worship. And the reality is, is that because Jesus defeated death and because he is alive, because he lives, every single person has the opportunity to have a personal relationship with God. So we're going to be in this series uh, on personal God. Now, when I say personal God, you can take that a different way. And, and I say that because uh, in our society today, definitely in America, and I don't know exactly how people do it, but taking a little bit from here, taking a little bit from there, this person said this, this person believes this, there are many people who are, who are attempting or they're creating their own little G God and saying this is, this is God. This God is the one who serves me, benefits me, never has a word of correction for me if I do anything wrong. And I just want to say from the start of this series, that is not the personal God that Jesus knew, obeyed, and loved. So I want to encourage you, uh, and if you know a friend that you think this would benefit for them, I want to encourage you to be here each Sunday in April and May because we're going to be talking about how God is personal. And our hope is that if you have not met him already that you will meet him during this time and you will grow uh, to know the personal God that Jesus knew and revealed. So I want to encourage you now to grab your Bible and open up to 1 Kings uh, 19. If you need one, there should be one on a chair rack there in front of you. Uh, 1 Kings 19. And as you're turning there, I just want to share with you that about half a century ago, Dr. Uh, Alfred Tomitis, maybe you may have never heard of him, but he's a French audiologist, which basically means he, he dealt with hearing issues and that type of deal. He was confronted with the most curious case of his 50-year career. And uh, what, what it was, was there was a renowned opera singer, and he had mysteriously lost his ability to hit certain notes even though they were well within his vocal range. So this guy had gone, this opera singer had gone to several specialists and they all thought that he had a vocal problem. That something was off vocally. Now he was a renowned opera singer. Dr. Tomitis thought otherwise. So he used a sonometer and he determined, and this is, this is crazy, he determined that this opera singer, and some of you have heard opera and how, how powerful these voices are, he determined that this opera singer was producing a 140 decibel sound waves at a meter's length. Some of you don't know, sound, the sound guys would say we'd all be dying right now. Basically, that is louder than a military jet taking off of an aircraft carrier at a meter from the guy's mouth. So that discovery led to this diagnosis. This opera singer had been deafened by the sound of his own voice. And so because of that, he could not hear these specific notes, so he could no longer sing those notes. Dr. Tomitis said it this way. He said, the voice can only reproduce what the ear can hear. The voice can only reproduce what the ear can hear. 
The French Academy of Medicine dubbed that statement the tomitis effect. The voice can only reproduce what the ear can hear and its ramifications go way beyond opera and singing. Think about it. All of us have problems. We may have some relational problems, emotional, spiritual, whatever. And we think those problems are the problem. But those are just the symptoms. The, the, the root cause of our problems, I believe this, are kind of like a spiritual tomitis effect where our ears, and really the ears of our heart, have been deafened to the voice of God. We can't hear God. And there may be many reasons. Maybe it's negative self-talk. And you talk about yourself negatively all the time. You criticize yourself. You beat yourself up. And you're, you're saying negative things about yourself. And God can't even get a word in edgewise. God's like, hey, tip. You know, and he can't even get a word in because you're always talking bad about yourself. Maybe it's the voice of criticism from some other people. There's been some people in your life. Maybe your entire childhood was just, just criticism, criticism, and you hear, hear that uh, criticizing voice so long, so often, that you can't even believe anything else about yourself. Maybe it's the voice of conformity, the voice of our culture that says, hey, don't be different, just, just go along with us, be with us, do what we're doing, right? Be like us. Maybe it's the voice of condemnation. You continually feel built, beaten up. Some of you are sitting here this morning and you feel condemned right now. You're sitting in church and you feel condemned. The truth is, you have a very real enemy. And he is the enemy of your soul. And according to the Bible, Satan is the accuser of the brethren. The accuser of the sistren. I don't know if that's a word. The, the accuser of the brothers and sisters. Every one of us in here, Satan accuses us of things. He wants to condemn us. Romans 8, there's therefore no, con no longer condemnation for those who are in Christ. But Satan doesn't care. He just, he, he's constantly trying to accuse. The Bible also says he's called the father of lies. So he lies all the time to you. And most of the time he slips a lie in and steps back out and you don't realize he's been there. And he is the master of that. He's very good at it. So he's the master of lies and the master of accusations. And I want to just say this. If you listen to those voices, his and these other voices, self-talk, uh, criticism from others, conformity, whatever. If you listen to those voices for too long and you believe them, they can actually deafen you to the voice of God. And if you can't hear God's voice, you won't be able to sing his song. And your life is going to be off-key. And we know what it's like when somebody sings off-key. Oh, your life is going to be off-key, and I take that to say you're, you won't live well, you won't relate well, you won't be able to love well. But here's the good news. There's a prescription for it. You can discern, you can learn to discern, you can learn to, to listen for the still, small voice of God. And that is the solution to a thousand problems. It really is. Because His, jo His voice is joy. And his voice is wisdom. His voice is power. And his voice is healing. His voice is correction. His voice is peace. His voice is grace. And his voice is truth. In the beginning, God said, and this is in Genesis, God said, let there be light. And what happened? There was light. There it was. How did, he ha how did it happen? He spoke it. 
So literally the voice that spoke the whole universe into existence is the same voice that parted the Red Sea and made the sun stand still. The same voice that spoke through Balaam's donkey. You know, we talked about donkeys the other week. <laughs> Balaam's riding his donkey, and the donkey says, Why are you hurting me? Why are you kicking me? Right? So God's speaking through this donkey. The same voice is the, the one who called Lazarus, who had been dead for four days and was in a tomb, and said, Come forth. Same voice. The voice that spoke through the burning bush, this bush that was on fire, but it wasn't burning up. Moses said, wow, and this voice that spoke through a burning bush to Moses is the same voice that, that calmed a major storm on the Sea of Galilee with three words, peace be still, and it stopped. Now, we believe these things, right? But it's difficult for us to truly comprehend them because we use our voices to basically do one thing. That is to, to talk or to shout or to sing. But essentially, we use our voices to get vocal. That's it. But suffice it to say, God's ability to speak is not limited to our ability to hear audibly. He can say and do whatever he wants to do. He uses his voice to create, and I think God is still creating things. He can use his voice to create, and he can use it to convict he can use his voice to heal, to heal someone of something, and he can use his voice to reveal something to someone. He uses his voice to guide, to lead, and he uses his voice to grace, to grace us. I've had people ask me, Terry, you don't really believe that God still speaks beyond the days of the Bible, do you? At which I respond, yes, I do. Why? Because God speaks to me all the time in various ways. And please don't think that because I'm a pastor that I have a, direct, a more direct line of communication with God than you do. It's not true. Because God speaks and He loves to speak to you. And He loves to speak to me. He wants to speak to you. And He wants to speak to me. And so you may still question, does God speak? That's the difference between does God speak and does God speak to me. But God is speaking, right? He loves to speak. So the more crit critical question that you and I need to ask, though, is this. I mean, we know he speaks. Here's the more critical question. Am I listening? Are you listening? Can you hear it? Are you dialed in to his voice? And if so, if you can hear him, is his voice the loudest voice in your life? Those are the biggest questions because if not... If the answer is no, then that's the problem. And I would say that is the problem behind all problems. So the solution then is to dial in and tune in to his voice. So we're in 1 Kings. We're in chapter 19. And I want us to look at verses 11 through 13. Look, listen to this. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told, told him. And Elijah stood there. And as he stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. 
And a voice said, What are you doing here, Elijah? Now, I love this encounter because of what happens the chapter before it. It's one of the greatest showdowns in all of the Bible. Elijah's got, is Elijah, the only prophet of God, and is all of these prophets of Baal, and it's this major showdown. And if you haven't read it, you need to go to chapter 18 and read it later. Don't do it now, but read it later. And so he has this great victory, and then Jezebel says, I'm going to kill you before the day's out, and what happens? He goes into a deep depression, he goes off by himself, and he's like, Lord, just take me out. Take me out. God ministers to him, feeds him through uh, miraculous ways. He takes his journey back to the mountain of God, which is Mount Sinai, the same mountain that God gave Moses the Ten Commandments on. And uh, he goes to this place, and this is where he's standing when the earthquake and the windstorm and the fire happen. And eventually he hears the sound of a gentle whisper. The ESV calls it a low whisper. New American Standard calls it a gentle blowing. The King James calls it a still small voice. So take a moment, if you're sitting next to someone, and I know this may feel a little awkward, just turn to the person next to you and just whisper something to them. Go ahead. You got permission, go ahead. Whisper something to them. A little awkward maybe? I sure hope they had good breath and that maybe you did. I, let me check mine real quick. Okay, I got a Halls in right now. I had dark blend coffee breath earlier, uh, but I can smell Halls. Here, here's the thing. By definition, a whisper is speaking with one's breath rather than ones with one's vocal cords. Hey. So the Bible says that God formed Adam's body. He forms him, he makes him, he shapes him, and he breathes into him the breath of life. We just sang the song, it's your breath in our lungs. And so we pour out, we inhale it, we pour out our praise, right? And so he, the breath of life. In other words, Adam was once a whisper. And so were you, and so was everything else. Look at this, 2 Timothy 3.16 says this, All Scripture, that is, all of the Bible is God-breathed. It is inspired by God. He has breathed His life into it. That, that means that the Bible is God's breath. The Bible is God whispering. Now, we tend to dismiss the windstorm and the earthquake and, and the fire that precede the whisper because it says God was not in them. But I believe they got Elijah's attention, don't you? I mean, if you're standing at the edge of the cage, uh, cave and there's, there's rocks flying around and there's a huge... That would be crazy. And, and I say that because God does have an outside voice. He has a booming voice. And He's not afraid to do it. He has and He will. But, when God wants to be heard clearly, when what He has to say is too important for you and I to miss, He often speaks in a whisper. The question is, why? Why does he do that? And how, and when, and where? I'm not going to answer those other questions, but I'm going to take a stab for just a moment at why. Why does he do it this way? Think about it. When someone speaks in a whisper, you're like, what? What do you have to do? You have to get closer to them, right? You have to, you have to get closer. Someone, sometimes you have somebody speak so softly that you got to get like your ear right up to their mouth and you hope they have good breath and everything. But you, but you get your ear right up next to their mouth. You have to move closer. We, we lean into a whisper. And that is exactly what God wants. 
The goal of hearing our Heavenly Father's voice is not just understanding His words. We need to understand them, and we need to know them, and we need to do something with it. The goal is intimacy with Him. It's closeness with Him. It's about being personal. He is a personal God. And that's why he whispers. When our sons were younger, I, I would sometimes speak in a whisper, so they had to get real close to me. And I'm like, what'd you say, Daddy? And then all of a sudden, that's when I'd grab them and I'd give them a huge bear hug and, ah, you know, and I love you kind of deal. God our Father plays the same trick on us. Um, yes, he wants you to hear what he has to say. Yes, he wants you to understand what he has to say to you. Absolutely. But even more than that, God wants you to hear and experience his heart of love for you. The Almighty could intimidate us with a booming voice, thunder, lightning. Some people are afraid of lightning. They're thinking God's going to strike. God can do whatever he wants to do, but he usually woos us with a whisper. So if you got your outline, you may want to fill this in. First point is this. God tends to speak loudest when I am quietest. Now, I don't know for the English... Kyler's an English professor. I don't know if quietest is a word or not, but it rhymes. God tends to speak loudest when I am quietest. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Psalm 46.10. I think it's so critical that we, to our spiritual health, if you will, that it's worth meditating on one word or one phrase at a time. Kind of like this. Be. Be. What's the opposite of be? Do. No, don't do. Be. Just be. Be still. Some people are scared to be still. Some people are a little nervous right now. It's real quiet. Some people can't sit still. Where's my phone? Where's this? Be still. Be still and know. Not just hear, but experience be with. Be still and know that I am God. If we would do just that every day, it would change everything. There's a story about uh, some European missionaries. They went to Africa and they hired some locals to help them get supplies and then to guide them, to lead them into where they wanted to go. And so they're on the journey and those guides went at a slower pace than the missionaries wanted to go. And so after the first two days, the missionaries, they're pushing them. They're just pu pushing the pace. And so on day three, they went twice as fast and twice as far as they did on the other days. And, and the missionaries were like, yeah, we're getting closer. We're about there and everything. And so the next day, they wake up and their guides refuse to break camp. And the missionaries were like, what's wrong? And one of the guides said this, we went so quickly yesterday that we must wait here for our souls to catch up with us. Do you ever feel like your soul needs to catch up with you? Because I do. I can be very driven. I'm really good at juggling like 12 different plates at once, trying to keep them all in the air. It's not good, but I, I can do it, and I think I'm in control and stuff and all of that, but sometimes I, I need my soul to just catch up with me. And the process can be very hard for us, but sometimes, think about it, less is actually more. Less stuff, less involvement less can be more. Less can be more. Sometimes slower is faster. <laughs> God's not in a hurry. Sometimes quieter is louder. 
Sometimes you've got to get quiet in order to hear God the loudest. Do you know what happens when we are constantly busy, when we're running from this to that, when we're full steam ahead all the time? Do you know what happens when you're overwhelmed, you're stressed, you're distracted, you're engaged with so many different people and projects and social media and everything else in, in life all at the same time? You know what happens? We forget that He is God. And we may not admit it, but we begin living as if we're in control. So we, the only way to know, <laughs> to experience that He truly is God, that He truly is good, that He truly is the one in control, and that I'm not, I think I am, but I'm not, is to be quiet, to take time to be quiet, to be still, and to get alone with Him. That's what the word solitude, the practice of solitude, is just being alone with God, getting alone with Him. And then in the quiet, to listen for His voice. I know it sounds weird, but intentional moments of silence and solitude can actually be moments of proactive listening. Sounds weird to be quiet. Sounds strange sometimes. But that can be proactive listening to God. Author Henry Nowen wrote this. Check this out. Silence is an act of war against the competing voices within us and around us. An act of war. Some of you need to go to war against a or several competing voices. And it will be a daily battle. Think about an old radio dial for a minute. Let's show that picture. Okay, some of the young people don't know what that is because everything's digital. We're serious radio, you know, what, <laughs> everything's digital. But here's, here's what you, think about it like this. If you want to tune in clearly to a specific station, what do you have to do? We have to take the dial and you have to turn past the static. And the other ones, oh, I'm happy every long if you, you know, just keep turning past the same power. You know, you want to stay on that one. That's a good one. But you want to you basically, what you're doing is you're going past, you're tuning out static and competing voices and channels, basically, and you have to turn those on in order to get to the right frequency or station. See, here's the, here's the important thing. You are the one who controls the dial. You and I are the one who controls the dial. We determine what we listen to the most. And I'm not just talking about music here. I'm talking about different voices. And sometimes, like on a radio like that, you just have to just take the finest little turn on the dial to get right in and dial completely in and as clearly as you can. And you got that station. The same power that rose you. Whatever it is. And you're hearing, hearing it clearly. I believe that if you and I will declare war on the competing voices each day. And how do we do that? We do it by... Taking time, carving time. Yeah, it's not like really finding the time or making the, you, you just have to do it. To be still and to tune in, then God's voice will get a little louder and it'll get a little bit louder and it'll get a little bit louder in our lives until what we will hear most is His and that'll be what we desire the most and what we want the most. Here's the second thing. Here's what I've found. You want, may want to fill this in. If I have a hearing problem, I usually have a heart problem. If I'm having a hard time hearing from God, I usually have a heart problem. Something is not right here. Something is going on inside of here. And I may not really want to hear from God. You ever felt that way? You might be afraid of what God's going to say. He may say, go to Africa. And you're like, oh. Or he may say, go to Ladson. And you're like, oh. I'm just kidding. 
that was bad. I live in Somerville. So I'm, I, may be afraid, I may be afraid of what God has to say. There's fear sometimes. Or it could be that I'm not, I'm not fully believing. There's, you know, kind of that, there's that unbelief, I believe, help my unbelief. There's, there's some of this where I'm not fully trusting God. I'm kind of holding out. To trust fully means to lean fully upon. I'm kind of like this. Okay, I got a little bit of my foot in there type of deal. Or, or maybe for some reason my heart has grown calloused and it's gotten hard. Or maybe what I've done is I've neglected the assembling together of believers. And so what happens is I find myself in church once every three months. And I'm disconnected from the fellowship and all of that. And so my, I can't hear God when I'm, because, it, and I'm not reading His Word. And so whatever it is, I don't know what it is for you. If there is something there, if there's a heart issue, if there's something that's blocking the voice of God. Whatever it is, you and I need to get to the place. And we need to do this probably every day where we say, Father... Would you please, and I, I, you could say anything, but would you please just reveal to me, point out to me any blockage, any obstacle, if it's a sin, if it's some kind of pattern. Some of us already know what it is. Some of us already know what it is. We've just never gotten real with it. Never been honest about it. But God, would you show anything in me that is keeping me from listening and show me the voice that is louder than yours because the, the voices and the, the things we listen to the most are going to have the most control in our lives. Show me what that is. Point it out, Father, and I will forsake it. And it may come up again. I'll have to turn it again. And like on those old radios where you pre-programmed it, you know, you push it, and it goes, and you're like, oh, God, i got to fine-tune that again. Push it back. Some of you are like, what? Especially the young people are like, well, what is that? Point it out, Father. I will forsake it because I will tune it out so that I can tune in to yours. We correct hearing problems by addressing the heart. I think it's interesting that the Lord Jesus, he made a specific statement. It's found six times in the Gospels, and it's found eight times in the book of Revelation. And he said this, whoever has ears, let them hear. That's all of us. Whoever has ears, let them hear. So clearly God wants us to hear him. And God speaks in a variety of languages. Okay, He speaks in various ways. And I don't have time to go into detail today with these. I'm going to touch on a handful very quickly. There's no way that I could flesh any of these out except one I'm going to lean into a little bit more. This actually could be a series. But I'm just going to touch on them very quickly. Some of you are going to be frustrated because, oh, I wish you would have spent more time. I don't have time. But, so here's some of the languages. Here's how God speaks. First language is this. It's the language of the Bible. It is God's written holy word. And I'm going to just tell you this. This book right here, this one's all beat up. We've got gorilla tape and everything on it. But, but this book right here, the Holy Bible, is in a category all by itself. And it is God's primary language. And since all of Scripture is God-breathed, He's breathed His life into it in a very real way. When you open His word... And I know it may not feel like it sometimes, especially if you're just starting out or whatever, but the more you read it and study it and meditate on it, when you read His Word, God opens His mouth and whispers to you through His Word. I don't know how to describe it. He just does it. It's just reality. But there are other languages that God speaks to, to us that are shown in the Scriptures. One is the language of dreams. I don't know if I've ever had a dream or a vision where God came down so strong in that Acts 2, and it's from Joel in the Old Testament. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. Some of you have experienced that. 
Uh, I've, I've heard many stories. I've also heard of places like in the Middle East and in, in China and places like that, like in the Middle East, in a very Muslim-concentrated country or nation where there are some people who are following Islam and then in their sleep or even in the middle of the day, Jesus will appear to them in a vision and say, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And they say, Jesus, you're right, and they become believers. God can speak how he wants to. He speaks in visions and dreams. Another language he speaks to is the language of doors. Okay? Revelation 3 says, What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. See, I have placed before you an open door. So God opens doors in our lives, and God closes doors in our lives. We love open doors, don't we? Those doors are closed. We love open doors. Closed doors, not so much. But it's a package deal. And the older I get, the more I realize that someday... I will probably thank God more for some of the doors he's shut and closed than the ones he's opened. And say, God, thank you that I did not walk through that door or try to push through that door. Thank you, God, that you just shut that. Some of the best prayers will be unanswered prayers. Because if God answers everything the way I pray him, I won't be where I am today. I won't be doing what God's called me to do today because thank you, God, for unanswered prayers sometimes, right? Sometimes he opens doors, sometimes he closes them. God also speaks the language of people. And what I mean by that is God speaks through people. Uh, he used the, the prophet, I mean, the, yeah, the prophet Nathan to rebuke King David. He used Uncle Mordecai to exhort King Esther, right? He used Paul to encourage and to speak into and to build into and pour into young Timothy. The Lord wants to speak to you through others, and he wants to speak to others through you. God speaks through people. And I would also add this. If you ever hear something, you kind of get a, a, a feeling or a sense of something and you wonder if God's speaking to you, one of the best things you can do is, is go to two, three, four other people that walk closely with the Lord, tell them that, and ask them what they think. That's, that's, that's a power of, of community so that we have each other's backs. God also speaks through the language of prompting. He prompts things through His Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our guide. He guides us. He directs us. He is also our counselor. And as followers of Jesus, he lives inside of us. And so God is ordering your footsteps, and he is preparing good works in advance. But you've got to begin to discern the promptings, the nudges of the Holy Spirit if you want to get where he wants you to go. And it is the Holy Spirit who can take an ordinary situation and turn it into a divine appointment. You walk away and you go, Shazam, right? And you go, <laughs> you may not say that word, but you, you walk away and you go, wow, only God could have done that. That's the Holy Spirit. It's an awesome thing. God also speaks through the language of pain. C.S. Lewis said it this way. God whispers to us in our pleasures, but he shouts in our pain. You know what? You could ignore this, and you could sit it on a shelf and leave it there, but you know what you can't ignore? Can't ignore pain. I feel a little bit of pain in my back from that bridge run yesterday. I can't ignore that right now. Ow. Uh, pain is a byproduct of the fall of man. And thankfully, one day, it's going to be completely eradicated. God, at some point, is going to say, enough, and all pain, dying, cancer, crying, everything is gone. But in the meantime, we would be wise to listen to pain. Because pain can be a marriage counselor. And pain can be a life coach. 
And pain can teach you some of the toughest lessons, but some of the ones that you need to know the most and most important lessons in your life. God speaks in our pain and in our suffering. Here's the reality. God can speak however, whenever, wherever, and to whomever he wants. Why? Because he's God. Sometimes we have, these, we have these glasses on and we think, you know, we don't understand the Holy Spirit or we don't understand, and we think it's, uh, we're limiting God. God can do whatever he wants to do. Short of sin, God can speak and do whatever he wants to do. Now let's go back to the, to the primary language, okay? So fill this in. It's kind of like the last point to fill in, but I still have a little bit of time to flesh this out. Write this in. The chief way God will speak to me is through the Bible... And the key, this is the key, the key is to do what he says. The chief way that God speaks to me is through the Bible, through his written word. And the key is to do, to put it into action. To, God says, okay, I want you to forgive somebody. Okay, well, I don't want to do that. No, do, do it. It may not feel like it, but just do it. And your feelings will catch up later. There's at least, there's probably many, but there's at least two things that are unique about the Bible. First is living and active. Okay? There is no other book like this. It's in its own classification. We don't just read the Bible. The Bible reads us. You don't just search the Scriptures. The Scripture searches you. Hebrew says it's sharper than a double-edged sword and it has the ability to penetrate and to cut into the insides of us to reveal things. You see, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God, who inspired ancient writers as they wrote, is the same Spirit who inspires us today as we read it and we reflect on it and we soak through it and we meditate on it. So in a real sense, and maybe you've never thought about it like this, but in a real sense, when I'm reading, okay, I'm in Matthew 26 here. When I read Matthew 26... In a real sense, I am inhaling what the Holy Spirit exhaled thousands of years ago. I'm breathing in what he exhaled. That's because it's living and active. There is no other religious book. There is no top seller, national bestseller that comes anything. It's their own classification. It's living and active. Second thing about the Bible that makes it unique is this. You will never get to the bottom of it. There's scholars that think they got it all figured out. Oh my goodness. You'll never get to the bottom. It's impossible because the more you read and study, the more you get into it, the more is opened up to you. God continues to reveal. He continues to lead and direct and transform. Charles Spurgeon said it this way. Nobody ever outgrows the Bible. It just gets deeper and wider over the years. Pastor Mark Batterson said this, The goal is not to get through the Bible. Like, I'm going to read through the Bible in a year. The goal is not to get through the Bible. The goal is to get the Bible through you. So the Bible is the foundation. It is your authority. It is the grid. Think about it this way. It is the grid through which you filter every message that you hear. You've got to. You've got to stand on this. You see, God will never lead you or tell you to do something that is contrary to His good, pleasing, and perfect will as it's revealed in the Scriptures. 
God would never ask you to break one of his principles, precepts, commands, or whatever. He would not do that. So if you have this sense, you know, you have this nudging, you have this prompting, or you hear something, wondering if it's God speaking to you, and it goes against what's spoken of in the Bible, it goes, it's contrary to that, that message is not from God. So run, Forrest, run. Right? So if you hear something... It, like I said, the value of community, one of the best things to do is to ask other strong Christ followers, what do you think? And then you've got to go to the Scripture because it's the grid. It's the filter. The Holy Spirit has many roles. Uh, one of those roles is quickening. To quicken. And some of you are like, wow, what does that mean? Uh, you may wonder, what's quickening? Well, it's all throughout the Scripture. In the longest chapter in all the Bible, Psalm 119... It is, it's in there in 11 different times. And it, it's in reference to the Spirit and the Scriptures kind of, kind of working together. Psalm 119.25 is my favorite. Listen, look at this. Quicken thou me according to thy word. I love, it says NIV. That's actually the King James Version. Quicken thou me according to thy word. I love that. Uh, quickening is something that the Holy Spirit does. And here's, here's, here, here's the thing. It is the difference between information and transformation. Because you can read the scriptures and learn a lot. And you can read the scriptures and be transformed a lot. It's the Holy Spirit and the, and the, the living active word of God working together. And you're breathing it in. And in a way, it's the difference between information and transformation. Do you know that quicken is also the same word used to, uh, to describe physical resurrection? So in the same way, the Holy Spirit defibrillates our spirits as with the Word so that every time we read it and get into it, uh, a little resurrection should take place every time we're in the living, active Word of God. Things should be revived. That's another definition of quicken. It revives it. It's a, it's a resurrection. So he has the ability to bring dreams back to life. He can revive faith, your faith. He can revive hope, your hope. He can revive love, your love, God's love. He, he delivers on the promises maybe that you've given up on. There should be a little resurrection every time that you get into Scripture. So you not only read it, what you do is you think about it, you contemplate it, you meditate on it, you pray it. But boy, if you do that and you just don't, take it to the next step it's not enough you obey it you and I know we don't like the word obey but man Jesus said if you love me you'll obey me so we obey it we do what he says this is that's is, that's when we absorb the word and we get all of its nutrients it's how the word gets from our head information deep down into our heart transformation and how we live it out each day that's how it happens you interact with God's Word. You recognize it's living and active. Holy Spirit speaking to you. He quickens it whenever He wants to. And so I want to just challenge you. If you do not regularly engage in God's Word, I challenge you to start today. Not out of guilt. Not out of one of those typical church answers that you hear. And they say, well, the pastor said you've got to read the Bible. No. Do it because you want to hear the voice of God. And do it because you want to be close to Him. You want to lean in. Not out of guilt. And there are all kinds of resources. I don't have time to go through that. You can look online, reading plans. Uh, when I said, you know, the goal is not to get through the Bible. It's to get the Bible through you. I started last... I've read through the Bible at least once all the way through. And I did it really fast the last time. I started uh, in Genesis last January. And I'm in the book of John right now. So I'm not trying to get through the Bible in a year. I'm not doing that. 
I'm trying to get the Bible through me. One way or another, get into God's written word so his word gets into you. And then the Holy Spirit can quicken it when, where, and how he wants to. The key is to do what it says. James 1.22 says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. I think it's interesting that the Latin word for obey means to give ear. So obey means to give ear. Uh, it's literally giving God your ear. God, here's my ear. Here's my ears. Uh, it's saying, Father, you get the first word and the last word in my life. Lord, I'm going to listen to your whisper, even if there's a thousand people right around me screaming something completely different. Lord Jesus said it this way. He said in John 15, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. The word abide is the present imperative verb, which indicates continual action. One of the things about the scripture, remember how I said you can never get to the bottom of it? The, he, the Hebrews, the rabbis, believe that uh, it's kind of like, scripture's kind of like a kaleidoscope because there's so many different meanings and things. And the word abide has so many different meanings. You could, you could focus on one for so long. A couple of meanings of the word abide is this. It means to stand still. And what that's referring to is this planting your feet on the words of Jesus, standing still, Standing firm, not backing down, not backing off. It also means to dwell. It means to remain. It means to stay. So if you want to hear the still small voice of God, you must abide in Him. You must remain in Him. You must lean into His whisper and listen. And when you hear Him, you hold His word into your heart. Like another Psalm 119 verse, second verse I memorized as a Christian teenager in King James. Thy word I have hidden in my heart that I may not sin against thee. I listen to what He's saying. I hold it, I lock it into my heart so that I'm, I'm standing firm, but I don't just do that. Then I actually do what it says and I live it out. Peter Marshall, uh, he's a former chaplain of the United States Senate. Maybe you've never heard of him. I hadn't hear, heard of him until I prepared for this. He said this. Please don't miss his words. I wonder what would happen if we all agreed to read one of the Gospels until we came to a place that told us to do something and then we went out to do it. And only after we had done it, we began reading again. I'll tell you exactly what would happen. God's kingdom would come and His will would be done in our lives and in the community around us. It would be so tangible you could cut it with a knife. It would be so thick. Because that's what happens when hearers of the word become doers of the word. When we know it, we do it, we live it out. So just do it and then watch what God does. God can do anything. God can do things that we think are impossible. He wants to blow our minds. He wants to use us. I want to challenge you uh, as we get ready to close here. I want to challenge you to begin praying uh, a, a seven-word prayer. And it is one of the bravest prayers that you will ever pray. And I believe that it encapsulates the message for this morning. In 1 Samuel 3, there's a young Samuel and he's, he's sleeping in the temple. 
and he's there assisting the, the, the priest, the, Eli. And so he's sleeping there one night, and the voice of the Lord speaks to him, Samuel, Samuel. Now that was kind of loud. Maybe he did whisper, Samuel, I don't know. Samuel, Samuel. He'd never discerned the voice of the Lord before, so he thought it was Eli the priest. So he got up, he went into the room where Eli was, and shook him and said, hey, what'd you say? And he said, I didn't say anything. This is Terry's paraphrase. Go back and go back and go back to sleep. Three different times. What'd you say? I didn't say anything. After that third time, Eli began to understand, okay, I think God's speaking to this young teenager, this young kid, and uh, so I'm going to give you some advice. You go back to sleep, and here's some advice for how you respond when that voice comes again. So Samuel goes back to sleep. We don't know how long it was. Middle of the sleep, Samuel, Samuel. And here's how Samuel responded. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. That's a prayer. That's a brave prayer. I love it because it recognizes, you, you see two things immediately. One, he is Lord, and I'm his servant. And it shows that God is speaking, he wants to speak. The question is, am I listening? Am I hearing? And if not, why? What's blocking his voice? What other competing voices are loud in my life? What other hindrances or sins or blockages or patterns or whatever are, are not just hearing problems, they're actually heart problems? What issue do I need to address? Because earlier some of those may have come up and maybe it's coming up now. God's pointing it out and you say, God, show it to me. Whatever it is, what is God showing you? Please do something with it. Because here's, here's the deal. Jesus wants you to live fully. He wants to give you an abundant life which is amazing in Him. And He offers that to you and it comes with abiding in Him. It comes when His words abide in you. And so you've got to root yourself deep down into His Word. You've got to take your stand and not back down so that His voice gets louder and louder and louder in your life to us. The one that you hear the most, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. May that be true of each of us. May that be our heart's cry. What is God saying to you this morning? What do you need to do about it? Please do something because then you'll hear his voice even more. And it'll get louder and louder and louder. Let's pray. Lord God, I acknowledge that right now you are speaking in this place. You're speaking to our hearts. You're revealing things to us. You may be convicting of us of things. You may be challenging us. You may be confirming things. You may be encouraging us and gracing us and loving us. But God, you are speaking right now. <laughs> and we recognize that. Help us each, each of us, To tune out. We have control of the dial. Help us to tune out the static and the competing voices and the things that are so loud in our lives we can't even focus and we're so distracted and we can't hear you. Help us to know what that is. We may need help from other people, whatever it takes. 
so that we can tune in and dial in clearly and hear your voice because it is so important that we hear you. Thank you for your word, your written word that we have that is alive and active. Help us to never see the Bible the same way again. Breathe out, O Holy Spirit, your word and fill us. Thank you so much for this day. Thank you for this time together. Thank you that we get the opportunity to give back to you our tithes and offerings. God, it is yours anyway, but we just say thank you. Thank you for blessing our lives. May you use this to bless other people and to help us to share the gospel so that more and more people can know the personal God that we know. Thanks for listening. If you're in North Charleston this Sunday, please consider visiting us for our 9.30 or 11 o'clock services. We'd love to see you. Again, for more information, visit riverbluff.org. Now go change the world.